0: sports radio 104.3 the fan every saturday morning it's terry wickstrom outdoors terry takes you inside the outdoors you know hunting fishing camping it's terry wickstrom outdoors now celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to colorado radio here's terry wickstrom good morning this is terry wickstrom
1: and we've got a loaded show for you today by the way if you were uh Watching my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, over the last few days, you'd know about some of the show today. And before we get into programming, let's talk a little bit about that. Our Facebook page is the focal point of this show, like a if you were to go to my Facebook page right now and just scroll down to some of the first posts, you would see a post about my Den- my Denver post articles, my columns, my weekly column for the Denver post, one that included, uh, the executive director of Colorado's, uh, trout unlimited. And one about an article I wrote with Kirk Dieter on uh, in an interview I did with him. And you can go down and see my post articles. Now, the best place to, uh, read my Denver post articles is, uh, off the link on the Facebook page, it shows up in the Denver Post app also, but the app doesn't always carry through all the links. We have a lot of links to audio, sometimes video, so the best place to get it's off the Facebook page. You'd also see the fishing report on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Karen posts that every Friday. As soon as it comes out, it hits our page, so you guys can get that information right now. And then if we have special guests coming up or special topics or things we really want to address, we'll put that on the um, on the Facebook page, too. And by the way, she also posts when we put a new video on our YouTube channel. We just posted a television show we did away a while back on walleye fishing at Devil's Lake with Jason Mitchell. And that just was a link posted. And But speaking of guests, special things coming up, what we like to you know, let you be aware of, if you'd have been following, you'd know that um, we were going to cover the um, uh, information on the new draw system for the big game hunting, because there's been a lot of chatter about that. So we're going to go right to the phones now. And uh, joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife, and I believe, uh, Corey, you're the manager of the uh, the license, the big game license division, and this is Corey Chick. Good morning, Corey.
2: Morning, Terry. How you doing? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing. The manager for the license License and pass administration. Yeah,
1: yeah. I never know with you guys' titles, so I just always have okay. to. I mean, they always come in the thing, but sometimes they're long, and I, I have a short memory. I can't get through the long title before I forget. But. <laughs> Yeah, no. We also, there's a possibility uh, Director Bob Broshide might join us. Uh, Corey's going to be with us for a while. We're going to talk about what's gone on. And, Corey, you and I both know that there has been a lot of chatter out there, and you guys really want a chance to kind of set the record straight, what happened, why, what, why the changes were made, what are the pluses and minuses. And there's consequences with anything you do. Everything doesn't always just have total pluses. But let's start out with a little history. Um, when you guys decided to make this change a while back, there were some driving factors if i'm if i'm not mistaken you can correct me if i'm wrong you had the the first attempt at a funding bill hadn't passed you had an antiquated system that was costing a lot of money and you just needed change in order to properly run it is that kind of in a nutshell
2: yeah that's that is terry that's a good start um and and anyone that did apply this year or that has gone on has has realized that we have rolled out a a new system that we call IPOS, and, uh, you know, with the merger, we now have a an integrated system to where it's a, that one-stop shop. I know I'd been on your show before, and we talked about uh, when that was going to roll out and go live, but that was really one of the biggest driving factors of, of getting to where we're at today, just... Just because it required some changes that that we needed to make as an agency to be able to in, implement that new program.
1: Now, kind of tell people what I mean. Do you want to explain to people what the financial burdens would have been if you hadn't changed?
2: I can. Um, so, so a lot of the, the big issues that we that we had with with the, that new system and some of the financial burdens is is one we. Th- we pay 2.2% on all credit card fees that are in the system or that we process through the system. Um, so, for instance, with with our paper applications, you know, we've typically uh, had people pay up front by check, and that's just not an option in a in a – Online automated system like we have, uh, and, and if we would have stayed with that old model but rolled that into a new system, uh, there's certain species we would we would have actually lost money on. Um, most re- recent, you know, at the commission meeting, I I showed an example to uh, to the public and to the commissioners and used. And it is it's one of our worst case scenarios, but I use moose as an example. Uh, non-resident Moose, to where, you know, the 2018 fees for Moose is is $2,211. Uh, we had 13,399 non-resident applicants with only a quota of of 44 licenses for non-residents. Uh, if we would have paid or if we would have had all those customers pay up front by credit card, uh, we We would have paid about six hundred and fifty thousand dollars in credit card fees, but since we only now with that that new process that I'm sure we'll get into a little bit that we only allow or or have folks uh that draw those licenses pay uh this year we only paid uh about about twenty one hundred dollars in credit card fees, so there was a cost savings it to, to the agency and to the sportsman of about six hundred and fifty thousand dollars because the total revenue uh when you look at both resident and non resident moose is only about two hundred thousand. It's just there's not a lot of licenses out there to 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 generate um really funding I mean money on that on that side of it. Well,
1: and that cuts into the money to manage the habitat for a lot of these species, too. Let's let's uh, digress for just a minute and talk about the incredible big game opportunities we have in Colorado. I believe we're one of the only, if not the only state where on elk you can actually buy over the counter. Or most of the Western states all draw, aren't they? That's correct. Yeah, yeah, we do have a draw for certain areas, but tell people about some of the big game animals that are available, either through a draw or over the counter, because we have a plethora of opportunities for big game hunters.
2: Sure. Um, Yeah, I mean, kind of running from the top, of course, we have pronghorn, elk, deer, goat, sheep, desert sheep, moose, bear, mountain lion, um, and and it is i mean it, there there's not many states that that have i mean a lot of the states have those animals but as far as in the numbers that we have them uh colorado is such a destination state when it comes to uh, hunting just in general
1: no you're absol- a- you're absolutely right and it's just uh it's and we're we're so blessed to have the resources here now we just recently had a funding bill passed we'll probably get into that a little later which helps helps out a lot but prior to making this change. We hadn't had the funding passed yet. We were in some pretty dire straits to properly manage these resources and habitat, weren't we?
2: No, we we really were. And that's where, you know, I mean, I've been in this position for, you know, just about two and a half years now. And I, I come from the field. You know, I I was a, a, a game warden for a while and then, of course, got into this just to, to bring a, a good, strong field background in, into this position. and And looking at um really where, we're, where where we were at and what I was trying to accomplish it's none of none of what we were trying to do was to try to make money. It was about trying to find efficiencies it's uh, in my mind, i guess as a as a sportsman myself, it's hard for me to go go out there and try to ask folks for something or to pay more when I'm not looking at efficiencies uh within everything that I do. And and I think taking that into account, you know, I mean, when we're talking about uh, paper applications or pay before you draw or after you draw and really being able to research those and trying to find efficiencies and, and cost savings where you can internally, you know, I think that's, that's the only appropriate thing to do. And that's really what we were trying to do uh, when we were rolling out this new system and where we were at with that financial sustainability bill.
1: You know, before we move on to the new process and what changed and what the ramifications were, uh, take, I'd like take, to take the last couple minutes of this segment and talk about some of the big game opportunities in Colorado that we mentioned. Um, obviously, we have a huge elk herd here, and you can both draw for certain areas and get over-the-counter licenses, so nobody is shut out to hunt elk. What other opportunities um, do you see that maybe are underutilized or the people don't realize how 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 not how i'm not wanting to say easy but how how i guess easy it can be to draw a tag or to hunt some of these other animals
2: you know there there really is and and i'm one of those that i want to hunt every single year uh so so i'm the type that you know i may i may put in you know for a for a certain species, you know whether I mean whether elk, deer. Uh, I, I pronghorn hunt quite a bit. Those are probably my big three that I hunt. But then I also would like to have a you know, a, a some goat meat in the freezer or or you know moose. Uh, but I, I typically look at exactly what you were saying as underrated, and I mean. I archery, elk hunt. I, I can do that over the counter. Uh, I I can also rifle elk hunt if I want. Those are, again, those are unlimited tags out there for for the public. The Eastern Plains is an awesome place to go. I, I uh, you know, I grew up whitetail hunting, so I I typically look at you know the statistics that we post on the web, and you know I have the ability to sit there and and pick out those those certain hunt codes, and I may have to go out and do, I mean, do quite a bit of scouting and learn the animals and things like that, things you should be doing uh, to be successful. But it's, you know, I, I do, I hunt every single year because I know how to to work through those statistics and be able to to parse that out and be able to, you know, choose hunts that, that I know I'm going to get, you know, either every year or every other year. Um, and And there's always leftovers available. You know, we're about to, we just finished up the leftover draw uh, in my section, and, you know, there's probably going to be six, 7,000 leftover licenses available for leftover day.
1: Oh and that's fantastic. You know one you mentioned before we move on and that's the um the the whitetail coming from the Midwest myself. That was my first big game animal to hunt was whitetail deer and I still have a passion for whitetail. Uh and there really is an opportunity that I don't want to say underutilized but maybe a lot of people aren't aware of. Is that true you think?
2: Yeah, you know I do. I mean I mean you you really look at how Colorado has has grown up and progressed and I mean you know, it really, if, if you look at just the amount of time they've been in the state, uh, I, I I really think, you know, if you look at the population of Colorado, their heart has really, uh, a lot of them has really always lied within, you know, the, the mule deer. And so, I mean, kind of looking at the change in times and how the eastern plains has changed, you know, in the last 50, 60 years, the habitat is really... It, it, I mean, as far as whether you're looking at grain crops or CRP, you know, it, it really, the Eastern Plains benefits both those species. And the, to where some of the public is really starting to grab onto that, no, it, it's, it, it really isn't near as big as as mule deer hunting in Colorado by any means. And there's some big deer out there.
1: Oh, there really are. Corey, what I think I'm going to do is put you on hold. And when we come back, um, let's talk about The new system, how you how the changes, what changes were made, what people saw when you instigated the new system uh, and compared to what they were used to in the old system. And then after that, we'll get into some of the effects and some of the what we're hearing from people about, you know, how it affected maybe their success rates and things. But let's get into the changes when we come back up to this next uh, this next uh, this next segment. Is that okay with you? Sounds good, Terry. Thanks. All right. We'll put Corey on hold. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer.
0: Sandy Clef here to tell you about SCL Mortgage Special Circumstance Lending, locally owned and operated. And if you're self-employed or work on commission, this is the place for you. Bank statement loans are back. You don't need tax returns to do your loan. In some cases, the bank statement loans can be done with credit scores in the low 600s. MySpecialMortgage.com on the web. 303-790-2222. The phone number, SCL Mortgage, licensed by the Colorado Department of Regulatory Agencies, number 120.
1: Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're talking with Corey Chick, the um, big game license manager from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. And Corey, when we left the last segment, we'd kind of gone through the history of uh, what was going on financially with the old system and some of the incredible opportunities for hunting that do exist in Colorado, but you had to make a change. So tell us if I, if in case I haven't logged on, I haven't been a hunter or for people who are still trying to understand it, what changed, what, what did you have to do or what were the changes you made?
2: So, so the biggest changes that we made is, is going to this totally online system. Um, and And that moving from our old more analog based um you know licensing system to a to an integrated system and the changes that we had to make with that were were actually i mean they're they're big for really both sides of the agency, both the parks and wildlife side but on the the licensing side, you know all all of our applications now are are taken through that system, whether it's you log into your own account and, and apply that way, or you can, uh, you know, call call our vendor and use use the call center that way and be able to apply. So, that, so the biggest thing that we did was really f- for that process was doing away with paper applications. And, and due to what I was already talking about earlier, um, instead of paying all license fees up front in the draw, you pay. After or if you draw that license, uh, your credit card would be charged.
1: Now, and that accomplished a few things. One, uh, just eliminating the paper applications really saved a lot of money. Just printing costs. People don't realize what the costs are of just having, you know, printed paper and applications and then handling them and and, and people to process them. So that saved time and money. Um, I am sure it wasn't bug free, no system when you you know first switch over but you did take into account the people that didn't have computers by allowing them to call up and do it over the phone but somebody was still putting it in now you don't take you didn't take any kind of fees is there no application fee at all is there any processing fee what is the fee system now
2: the only The only – well, and again, this would have to go back in history is that sportsmen need to understand that statutorily we're we're told what we can charge and what we can't charge. And at the time we implemented this, uh, so for this 2018 year, the only thing – we could charge as far as fees was a three dollar application, so that's what everyone noticed this year is when they were putting in an application, they didn't pay their license fee up front; they just paid that three dollar application fee. And and the other side of it that that again, folks, you know that and at least things that I've heard, you know, this was an attempt for uh, you know Parks and Wildlife to make uh, more money, and and it's not because of our current constraints. Um, you know j- every time someone enters an application that cost the agency uh $4.25 so it, it this wasn't a money making adventure this was to try to re- because we knew what we were getting into this was trying to create as many savings as we could uh not knowing at that time that the 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 future sustainability their future generations act was was uh, going to be approved you know just just this year so
1: well you also knew that um, it was uh it was costing you hundreds of thousands of dollars to take the license fees in pay the credit card fee, but then have to refund that and you still had to refund the entire fee to them minus your credit card processing fee so you did have savings there, but you weren't charging anybody more you and you were in a place where you had to find savings everywhere you could. Um, So how did I know we're going to probably get into before you leave today, if there's going to be any more changes in the future, now that we have the new funding law, but let's kind of go right now into how did that change the number of people and the opportunity to draw?
2: Sure. Um, So last year we received about, uh it was right about 520 530,000 or i'm sorry i was uh last year we, we received about 540,000 applications uh in the 2018 draw we received just about 690,000 this year so we saw about 100 uh forty, fifty thousand 50,000 application increase or what or about 27% uh which is a i mean that's a big change uh, so I think that that has been very concerning to people, and, and how that would uh, would affect their draw percentages. And in the first year, it's it's really hard to to tell exactly how uh, that will affect somebody. Because I can throw some percentages out there, taking all into account, you know how how that would impact someone. But it still it doesn't tell the whole picture, and the and the reason is is because about forty to forty five percent of folks that apply in the draw just put in for preference point and preference point only. So for me to to throw out numbers, so for instance for pronghorn, to say you're you know your your chances of drawing a first your first choice uh, as a resident adult was twenty three percent last year. And this year it changed to nineteen percent. The only problem with that number is that it it 's taken into account those that applied for preference point and preference point only, and the way the system looks at those are as, as actually unsuccessful applicants because they did not draw a license so in in this first year, it really is very minimal uh, impact to to anyone and their draw odds. Uh, even if you're talking about the big three, uh, I mean, sheep, goat, and moose, uh, because you really won't see that impact until probably 2020 when they, when they enter into that, that realm of having three preference points and at least one weighted point. So then really the, the major impact that could have happened this year would have been hunt codes that took zero points to draw. And, you know, just looking at that and looking at the data and how many folks really just applied uh, for preference points, I, I I just I don't see that there was much of an impact in the first year. Does that mean there will not be an impact later? Sure, if the application rates stay where they're at right now, yes, this created kind of a new year class, I, I would say. Um, or group of sportsmen that, that will have very similar, uh, you know, have the same amount of preference points and as they kind of move through the, through the years going forward.
1: So how do people apply for just a preference point or just for their drawing? Is it a pretty simple process if there's somebody out there listening who's new and wants to become a big game hunter? How difficult is it and how long? I mean, we don't know how long for some of the big three, but... Um, how how does the pro- take us quickly through the process then we'll go to a break and i want to come back and talk about um recruitment of hunters into the into the field but kind of tell us about how you do apply
2: sure kind of kind of the approach folks usually take and and then, and, then, and there are there's some that are much more uh into it than others but i mean we have big game uh you know harvest statistics on our on our website and we have i mean the draw recap so you we have that built in you know with with the data that we give that you can kind of go in there and look and find out you know about how long it takes to draw some of these licenses or um so i mean once you find out one the area that you want to hunt the species that you want to hunt uh and a lot of that is in our brochure and i mean and just your knowing about the state and and where you really want to hunt then, it, then it goes more of you know looking in to the to the brochure and finding out the specifics about that the hunt code, uh, the season that you want to hunt, and, and and all that. So then, of course, going back to our previous discussions, you have to go in uh, if you're if you're a brand new hunter, and then create that account in this new system, and then from there, you know you'll find um, the the draw application page be able to get in there select your species once you go in there it's a really it's a really neat process that you know you would you would enter your hunt codes Uh, it checks all those hunt codes for you Uh, that's that's the nice thing about this system that paper applications do not do Um, it it will check that hunt for you if it's a valid hunt code or hunt code it processes it and allows you to go through there you would pay your three dollar application fee submit the application uh, and then it's. You know, it's a it's kind of a waiting game from from there for the draw to occur.
1: I'm going to put you on hold again. We come back. I want to also touch on why it's important to have a system that not only serves the existing hunters, but brings in new hunters and recruitment, because there's a lot going on in the industry and it's going to affect the resources of all of us. So, Corey, I'm going to put you on hold one more time and we'll get back to you in just a minute. Sounds good. Thanks. All right. We'll put Corey on hold. We're going to go right back to the phones real quick. And I don't, Ray, I don't know if you do a lot of hunting, Ray from Adventure Camper, but I'll bet you rent a lot of campers to people that hunt.
0: I'm not a hunter myself, Terry, but you got it right. We do rent a lot of uh, campers to hunters.
1: Um, that time of the year, how far in advance, say I'm going to hunt one of the elk seasons or even pronghorn, do I need to make, if I want to rent, rent a camper, of course, if you buy one, you're set for all the seasons and you do both. But if I wanted to rent for the upcoming hunting seasons, how far ahead do I usually have to make my reservation?
0: Well, you know, this is changing a little bit, but uh, if you're going in first or second uh, rifle elk, I would say you probably want to get a reservation at least a month in advance. Um, if you're going third or fourth season, those are a little slower for us. So you could probably wait, you know, a week in advance and still be able to get a trailer if you wanted one.
1: And do you have some trailers that now sometimes, you know, guys go and there's quite a group that will sleep a good number of people?
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, we've got our 21-foot travel trailers. I've got two different versions of those. But, you know, two of them, one of them has bunk beds, so it's got a total of five separate beds in it. And then I've got another model that's got a couch in it, which is comfortable for guys to sit around and play cards at night or whatever and uh, you know those sleep about four people so.
1: Sounds like a good idea. What other sales you got going on right now Ray?
0: Uh, You know we're getting a little thin on inventory at this time of year just we're starting to kind of whittle down heading into winter but uh, uh, we've got great sales on our last couple remaining Sonoma travel trailers. They're our top of the line beautiful beautiful interior trailers. We've got a 27-footer uh, with a super slide-out and oversized bunks, that one's priced at 22 $9. so that's a great buy. And I've got um, a really good sale on some little Viking 17-foot off-road campers. Uh, I've got a couple's coach in between, in particular, that's priced at 13.9. so a couple really good buys.
1: And you could pull one of those right up to your hunting grounds with yeah, a four-wheel easily. drive. Yeah, they've that's got great. an
0: off-road package on them, so they're meant to go. Tell them where they find you, Ray. Uh, We're on the web at www.adventurecamper.com, and physically we're near the intersection of Arapahoe Road and Jordan Road down in southeast Denver, 14051 East Davies Avenue.
1: All right. You have a great rest of the weekend, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. You too, Terry. Thank you. You you bet. Terry from Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by SunPower Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going right back to the phones. We're talking to uh, Corey Chick, who's the manager of the licensing for Big Game with Colorado Parks and Wildlife. And, Corey, we we covered a lot of the new system. And what I'd like to talk about, uh, you know, a couple things. One is, um, why is it necessary? Explain how you get more priority in a draw. And why is it necessary to have it a draw and not just have people earn their way up? And then we'll close. I think this segment with is there any possibility for changes going into the future?
2: Sure. So as far as gaining priority, of course, that's that's it's no different than um, waiting in a line, you know, at a, at a grocery store or something like that. You know, the the longer you've been there, the I mean, the closer you are to. To, to be in the next one served um and it's it's kind of that way with the draw in that you know you you build up that preference there's some there's some very high quality hunts in in Colorado that take years and years to get those uh of course, in going into the second part of your question, you know life happens uh, so the ability to apply and plan for those hunts is is really what the draw is there for it's not just that we we look at everyone you know you know generally that's put in for a hunt code and then you know make a line and, and no matter whether you want to hunt that year or not it, that's not how it works it it allows you to you know you can put in for just a preference point you know if you know you you can't hunt that year or um you know, and then as you are able to plan that hunt, scout, you you know, you get closer to where you can draw, you can start applying for that specific hunt code. So it's um it, it allow it really allows for um for their to be some predictability uh, or at least a a level of predictability on on when or, you know, if about that you're about to, to, you know, to draw a license and be able to hunt a unit.
1: Now, another thing, and you and I have talked about this in the past, it can't be just a straight earn your way up because some of these hunts, uh, it could take a lifetime and it's very important that we bring youth and new hunters in. So there has to be at least an opportunity that they might get to do one of these hunts.
2: Yeah, you know, that's correct. Especially if we're talking about sheep, goat, and moose. You know, I mean, there's, if you look at the, the amount of licenses available to hunt and then the pool of, of hunters just within that pool, um, you know, a kid or, or anyone for that matter, getting into hunting today uh if it was if it was just based on you know the amount of preference you had there's, there's folks that would never draw these licenses in a lifetime or even two lifetimes so when you when you have that uh, there has to be some type of of exactly what you were talking about that you know there's an opportunity to draw uh and that's where you know that that weighted system, uh, you know, really comes in 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 that once you get to a certain level, so that that three main points and then one weighted point, you you then start having a chance to actually draw those licenses, and that's what, you know, it. it I mean, for someone that draws one, it's great. For someone that's been, you know, in that you know, draw for a sheep, goat, or moose and have never drawn it's 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 somewhat aggravating when you know someone you know has four or five weighted points and draws that and you have other folks sitting there with eighteen or twenty or even more. Um it, it can it can be a little aggravating but that's it's no different than I guess the Colorado lottery that you know it, it you have a chance. That's what keeps people involved. And, and, and applying for those at the chance of being able to hunt those those certain species.
1: It's kind of like the NBA draft. The worse you do, the more chance you get of being number one, but it's a lottery, and the number one, the, the worst team doesn't always get the first place pick because they have to wait it. So, and that's the way it goes. And it's on. And I understand the frustrations to some of these hunters, but really, you're left with uh, very little choice in how to do it. And it has always been a draw, and the odds may have changed a little bit, but it's still a draw. Last thing, Corey, before I let you go, um, we passed the the legislature passed and the governor signed the new funding bill. Does that change, or could that change? your approach to the system at all?
2: It, it really can. It allows uh, a, a lot more options to to address certain things that have come up. Uh, for one, you know, the draw has never paid for itself A $3 application fee and a draw that takes, you know, on an average, you know, about $10 a person to run, uh, taking everything into account. Um, it, it allows us to, you know, adjust. Uh, application fees uh, it also allows us to have preference points fees. Most western states have those uh, Colorado has has kind of been behind the curve as it relates to all of our species on on preference points uh, and I think it's real important that this is a time that that we speak with with uh, with sportsmen out there and uh, be able to uh, Build something that that one uh, pays for the management of wildlife, and that it, it, I mean it, it. It's a long, it's along those lines of everything that we need to accomplish with, within the agency. I mean, there was a long list within that that uh, future or future financial sustain sustainability bill that. Uh, there's a lot of things that have gone unpaid for for years, so it's it's not an overnight fix, but it's it's something definitely that the agency and, and our commission really wants uh, the public involved in as far as how we move forward with those.
1: Now, if people, a hunting community in particular, for this issue, want to voice their opinion, want to get involved, what's the way to do that right now?
2: Uh, and there is, there's a couple different ways. Uh, you know, on our on our website. Uh, there's a way to to e- email our uh our call center and, and be able to um have their concerns listened to a, a lot of those are compiled uh and and when we create a committee we look at a lot of those we look at what the what the uh what the public is wanting and, and try to help that drive what we can or, or, or do or do not do uh, another way is of course through our commission meetings through public comment uh, public comment can also be emailed to the commission for uh, to be taken into account uh, so there's there's numerous ways to get a hold of a of our agency and be able to do that talking to the field folks you know your local DWm your local area wildlife manager your local yeah, I mean your parks office, uh I mean or or even just your local office. You know, there's there's numerous avenues to be able to to have that conversation.
1: And I'll add one more before I let you go, and that's the affinity groups, the Elk Foundation, the you know, all the all the different affinity groups, the bighorn sheep, if there's one you have particular interest, they're going to have a unified voice in how this thing works, and they're going to be able to come to Parks and Wildlife and, and put on presentations and talk. It really helps to belong to the affinity group for the activity you're interested in.
2: That's correct, yeah.
1: All right, Corey, we got to let you go. But great stuff. Thank you so much for joining us. I think it's it's been bubbling out there. I don't know that we solved anything, but at least we certainly explained it to people. So maybe they'll understand what's happening here.
2: Yeah, no, I appreciate it, Terry. And that's I mean, that's important to me, people understand that history and why we did what we did. And and, uh, we are we're looking at we're looking at adjustment. We do that every single year, so um, it's just it's it's important for people not to, to set back. And that you know, if they they feel strong strongly enough about something or uh, some, or, or we need to adjust something, it, it's important to hear from them. So I, I just want to put that out there that we're not trying to do it in a bubble. So
1: all right, Corey, thank you so much. We're out of time, but thank you so much. Thanks, Terry. You've at Corey Chick from Parks and Wildlife. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. The Rolling Stones. You're bringing back memories from a misspent youth of mine. You know that. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going to go right to the phones. And joining us from Boyd Lake State Park is Alex Kearney. Good morning, Alex.
3: Hi, good morning. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. And I drove down from Fort Collins, and I know that it's a beautiful day. I'll bet you it's just sunny and gorgeous at Boyd Lake right now.
3: Yeah, we're pretty busy today.
1: So tell me, uh, you know, I think most people know where Boyd is located in Loveland, but why don't you kind of go through the location and describe the park? There's always new people listening.
3: Yeah, of course. Um, so we are in northern Colorado, um, right by Loveland. Um, and so we're on kind of the westernmost edge um, of the plains. Um, we're pretty close to I 25, um, so not too far from there. Uh, so, pretty great location. Um, we are pretty big. Um, we're really popular with um, water sports. Um so we always have people coming up to bring out the boats and everything like that.
1: And of course you have um trails. You have a lot of trails and they connect to the both bike and hiking trails throughout the county even. Uh, you just but the trails go they go all the way around the lake. Yeah, so
3: we have trails that go all the way around the lake, um, and actually the Loveland Biking Trail actually passes through us, so we get a lot of biking, Um, and so, yeah, it's pretty nice. We have several different walking trails, hiking, um, and then biking, and then we also get um, some hunters, depending on the season as well, through here.
1: What about campsites? It's camping. uh, You're close to some metropolitan areas. Do you uh, have a lot of campsites, and do you need a reservation?
3: Yeah. um, So in total, we have 140 camp spots, um, and they're all RV hookups, um, but people are welcome to come and bring tank camping as well. Um, We do ask for reservations. Um, We're getting pretty busy right now at the end of the summer. Um, During the weekend, our weekends are actually all booked up until Labor Day. Um, but we do always have cancellations, so we always ask that people call if they want to maybe make a reservation and come in and camp with us.
1: And then you have some activities. Now, we'll get to the fishing and to the other activities, but one of the first questions we always hear, especially in a year like this where there's been concerns about the water, are the water levels? And I know you started out pretty full. Are you guys maintaining a pretty good water level?
3: Yeah, so in the beginning of the year, um, we were really, really full. Um, slowly, it's been declining, um, but we haven't had any issue with our water, water level this
1: year at all. And so all the boat ramps are open, and that means... But the fact that it's gone down a little has probably exposed more of your swim beach.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, so actually, we were um, a little over not flooded, but um, the water was coming into several of our trails and um, the swim beach in the beginning of the season. So now it's at a pretty good level. Um, We've opened up the swim beach. It's a lot more clear. um, And then all our trails are open and you can clearly pass through.
1: And of course, a lot of people go there for fishing and uh, we cover it quite a bit, but have you heard any recent reports? What are they catching and how's it going?
3: Yeah, um, so we restock frequently, um, and right now we're getting a lot of reports of trout and walleye, Um, so fishing is definitely pretty popular here.
1: And there's also smallmouth, largemouth bass, and there's a tremendous white bass population there that it probably hasn't really started to go, but when that starts going as we get closer to August, uh, I've done a television show on it. I mean, we we'll actually, we probably will post that later on again this uh, this year, or you can go to my YouTube channel and see it. But you can virtually catch a white bass on every cast once you locate those in the summer and they're going. And it's just a great, great fishery. Now you also have a marina there, a full service marina in store, and then you have now you have uh, rentals for kayaks and paddleboards. Is that right?
3: Yeah. Um, so our marina is. Um pretty popular. It also has a little store in there um, as well as boat docks and stuff like that. Um, And then down by our swim beach, we have kayak and paddleboard rentals. Um, Those have been extremely popular this season. Um, And then we also have concession stands, picnic areas, um, lots of stuff going on at our swim beach.
1: Now, you have an event coming up here in just a a week or a couple weeks. Tell us about that.
3: Yeah. So um, July 28th, Saturday, July 28th is going to be Lake Appreciation Day at Boyd Lake. Um, And so actually this is going to be our fifth year doing it. Um, and so we have a lot of different stuff going on surrounding the lake. We have kayak and paddleboard demos going on. Um, we also have a fishing clinic that's going to be happening. Um, we have the CPW Boating Safety, um, they're going to kind of just give lectures and talks about boating safety, what that includes. Um, and then we're also waiting to hear back from the Loveland Dive and Rescue Team for different demos. Um, they came out last year, and that was pretty popular as well.
1: And, of course, when you do these appreciations, you're always looking for volunteers to come help clean up the lake. I mean, it just makes it a better resource for all of us, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, definitely. So if anyone's interested actually in volunteering, um, I'm going to be leading a group that morning um, of a lake cleanup just to kind of appreciate our um, public lands, and then also Boyd Lake, just to make it look a little prettier.
1: Now, that's on the 28th, and is there information on the website and the Facebook page?
3: Yeah, um, so if you go to cpw.state.co.us and you just type in Boyd Lake, that has all of our information, um, everything that I just mentioned, as well as our events that are coming up. Um, So we host several different events um, throughout the weeks, um, a lot of different educational programming. We have campfires. Um, like today, we're doing a BB gun clinic. We have archery clinics. Um, so if you're interested in finding any information about our events, that's going to be on our um, the Colorado State Parks page, as well as we do have a Facebook
1: page as well. All right, very good. Alex, thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully you'll get a lot of participation. Pers- pre- pre- participation, easy for me to say, mm-hmm. in your in your event, and uh, people will take advantage of Boyd Lake. I come out there often, a uh, great fishery and a great place to be. Thank you so much.
3: Yeah, thanks for having us.
1: You bet. That's Alex Kearney from Boyd Lake. And uh, you know, the, the rest of the hour coming up, we've had some unusual programming this hour, I know, covering the big hunt, uh, big game hunting. I think it was critical. I may have Karen post that podcast on our Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, so that you can revisit that if you'd like to, but we're going to talk fishing and fishing gear and I'm sure some other things with Nate Zielinski. We're going to have um, the Blue Quill Angler come on and talk some fly fishing and I'm going to give some updates about some things that are going on in Colorado clays. So We just have a lot more to come. You're listening to Terry Wicksham outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.